0: Hello oh, and welcome to the second tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Wayne Rooney to my Frank Lampard. It's just in
1: Hello, Ryan.
0: Hello, Justin. How are you?
1: I, I'm I'm good. You know, everything's back open again, sort of under restrictions, but nonetheless, kind of. yeah, we can we can go back outside, which is great.
0: Not up here in the Midlands. That's not. We haven't got things open here because we're still in tier three. <laughs> Absolutely, we are. We are still living in a the. Uh, the squalor of England. Um <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Just to me we had fans back this week? That was nice, yeah. wasn't it? I mean it was only a, it was only two games, but it was nice.
1: It, it really was, and the thing that really bugged me was not being able to hear the roar of the fans over the match summariser talking over the goal. I'd have <laughs> I'd have left that quiet and just I think it was a looting game. But it was just nice. It was just really nice and the fans back in the ground um, at Wickham and Gareth have going around and uh, and applauding them it was it was really really nice to see and i didn't i didn't think i'd be a fan of it but i really am
0: it's just a relief being able to hear fans actually cheering a goal as opposed to how it was before when yeah. you'd the ball would go in and then the drone that's been taken from I think it was FIFA or something like that and then about five seconds later you've got yes Mm. and it just just sounds so manufactured but to hear an old fashioned crowd actually (laughs) cheering a goal oh my god I don't think I'd ever enjoy hearing it so much as I have done this past week as I say it was only two games we've actually had it in interestingly as well Luton and Wickham two of the smallest grounds in the championship so it did sound like how it normally would, but it was not as. Um, the contrast wasn't as big as it would be for, like, I don't know, Pride Park or something like that, where the ground is massive, 33,000, yeah. and there's only 2,000 fans in there. Whereas yeah. those two, they're both under 10,000, aren't they? So it's not as noticeable. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, the looting game, um, it sounded quite loud at, at some points, um, but mm. then you obviously brought the, the example of Pride Park. It would be really echoey um yeah it's gonna sound weird
0: and that that's still a thing i've got an issue with it doesn't make any sense to me why the bigger the ground you can't have more fans in but nonetheless i'm just happy we've got fans back in now um It's also funny, just before we actually move on, I like how whenever a goal goes in against a team now, it's just followed by boos. (laughs) (laughs) There's no away fans there chanting or cheering or anything. So it's just the home fans, boo! (laughs) I hope this stays around after things are back to normal. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Justin, let's talk about some actual championship action. So just quickly before we start, this is a midweek episode of the Second Tier Podcast. It's very much a streamlined version of the show where we just talk about the games, news and that. We'll talk about at the weekend. Obviously, we've had this EFL rescue package now that we'll have a chat about on Sunday, Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start with Bournemouth 2, Preston 3. If anything sums up the unpredictability of the championship, (laughs) then it's a game like this. Preston out on the Rasas, getting battered in the last couple of games, loads of players missing. They take on the team second in the table and give them a right good spanking, Justin.
1: They did, and 3 2, you think it's a, it's a close game, but you know, Preston went 3 0 up and Bournemouth sort of, I think it was the last 20 15 minutes, they brought it back to 3 2. Um, mm. But it was a relatively comfortable game for, for Preston, um, which is why I think Jason Tindall will be absolutely fuming because. Contrast to to Norwich, for example, who are missing so many key players. Bournemouth are almost at full strength, aren't they? Um, so to to go down the way they did, yeah, you'd be frustrated.
0: Oh, massively. Having Ryan Ledson and Ben Pearson next to each other in midfield, I think, really helped Preston massively. They're two players I'm a big fan of. They make everything tick in that midfield. And it was just all, an all-round really good performance from them. They didn't have Sinclair and Barques and playing as wing-backs, which I think helped because yeah. they're not wing-backs. <laughs> um, but everyone just put in a shift. It was a really, really good team performance. Scott Sinclair with an early contender for goal of the season. My God, just a 40-yard lob. And uh, just before we get your thoughts on it, from a goalkeeper perspective, I just loved how Asmir Begovic just watched it sail over his head. And when the camera zoomed in on him afterwards, he was just like, not much you can do there. And it is terrific. It is he was not exactly miles off his line, was he? It's just one of them where it's so perfectly in the top corner that mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper, you've just got to say, fair play, mate
1: yeah you're spot on and he's 6 foot 3 he's, he's not a small goalkeeper he's a big goalkeeper he was at Stoke in their heyday under Pulis I think wasn't he so that that tells you about his uh, aerial prowess but yeah you, you're spot on I think it is an early I'd say an early season it has to be goal of the season I think I said it a couple of weeks ago for another goal but this one yeah, I don't think you'll get a bet. You don't. Know, I don't think you'll see a better lob than, than this anywhere really because he, as you say Begovic isn't a sweeper keeper he's not that far off his line he gets done because it's in right in the top corner, and Scott Sinclair knew what he was doing. He absolutely oh, yeah. knew what he was doing. He knew what corner he was going for, and that's the quality that he possesses, um, and that person i have got now. And I think that sort of got it was a good counter attack as well. You know, you you are forgetting the the thing that happened before it. You know, they wouldn't they won the ball back in their own penalty area and counter attack against Bournemouth. No, I don't know why they left one person back, for example. That was a bit weird, but um, yeah, it was just such a good goal and. I think that highlights how good Preston were last last night because all three goals were good counter attacking goals, and that sums it up really. Because he missed out a third of the pitch, didn't have to run the rest of it.
0: Yeah, um, it's going to take one hell of a goal to top that one at the end of at our end of season awards, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but Steve um, Bournemouth, Steve Cook, when he was on the ball, Preston midfielder Ben Pearson was reportedly heard saying, "Let him have the ball. He's shit." <laughs>
1: I wouldn't expect any less that from Ben person <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's so Sunday League, but I love it. Defender uh, Patrick Bauer went off injured, which is a massive blow mm-hmm. for Preston. He's hurt his Achilles, and from the message he put on social media, it sounds like he could be out for quite a while, yeah. which is a bit of a worry for them. But whatever the case, Alex Neil will understandably be delighted with this result. Whether it's a turning point, who knows? It was such a good performance that you suspect it is. It also helps that you've got Wickham at the weekend, which is just the perfect chance, really, to continue building some confidence after a rather inconsistent start, to say the very least. Uh, I'm looking at Bournemouth and scratching my head. A week ago, they were looking like the team to beat. They were absolutely flying. They've since drawn with Rotherham and lost to an out-of-form Preston. And I just don't get it, Justin. I think it kind of sums up what we've seen so far this season where everyone is struggling to build any consistency this time last year we had Leeds and West Brom for example they were just smashing teams out of Mm -hmm. the way and the only team who has had any sustained form so far is Norwich which has led to them being top but even their performances haven't been particularly outstanding do you know what I mean
1: yeah I do and I think this is where the the cries of the championship isn't as good this year comes into it because from 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 the top of the table to down to eleventh where Luton are, there's just eight points separating the teams, and we're seeing so many injuries, you know, come about because of the tight schedule that we've that we've got in the championship this season. That teams that they're losing players, they're losing key players, which makes it as wide open as it as it as it, as it ever has been. Um, and, and and as you said, as we're seeing, we're seeing teams struggle with that a little bit. You know, press uh, Bournemouth for example, as you said. You know, drew to a, drew, drew to Robin the other week, uh, sorry, the weekend, and then lost to an out of press and They've conceded five goals in the last two games, which isn't which isn't really good enough when you're playing against teams that aren't um, as, as good as you. Really, you have to see those teams out. And um, yeah, it's it's as open a season as we're going to get this season. I at this more at this moment in time, I can't call who's going to finish in the top six, and I can't call who's going to finish in the top two.
0: No, neither can I. I disagree that the standards have dropped. I think everyone is just getting better and better, and which has led to this this season where, as you say, it is just wide open. Who is going to finish anywhere at this point? I have yeah. no idea. We've I got th- to move on, Justin. So, um, oh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Derby is still bottom after losing one all to Coventry. Late heartbreak for the Rams, as they conceded a 91st-minute equaliser. It would have given them just their second win of the season, but alas, here we are with Derby rooted to the bottom of the table. Justin... With a tough set of fixtures coming up mm-hmm. just before Christmas, and I can't see things getting any better anytime soon.
1: Well, th- this is why Derby need a, an experienced man to come in, and we've spoken about who to come in uh, in previous weeks. I think Paul Cook's the ideal candidate who's out there at the moment. You know, look at what he did at Wigan last season it is a good example. And obviously, if Derby do go down, they've got a manager who knows how to get a, how to get out of League One. Should the worst happen. Um, but going back to the game I think there is progress there there certainly is progress it's big progress Colin Kazim Richards is again the man I absolutely love him I'm sure you might have seen a tweet um, about when he scored um, he's he's a 34 year old journeyman who was brought in as a stopgap up front for Derby um, and he's showing the rest of the players what playing for the shirt is all about you know, he really cares I and mean, if everyone displays the same fighting character that he does I think Derby will escape you know, relegation, simple as that. Um, but they do need a manager in ASAP. The subs were all wrong for me, which screamed of an inexperienced manager. You shuffle the back four with ten minutes to go, or with, less, with five minutes to go, it's a recipe for disaster. And i right all the time in the world to, to find to pick a spot out from a from a high high clearance from wisdom.
0: Just quickly on Paul Cook, because I've seen plenty of Derby fans who, saying who they want as their next manager. Paul Cook has been suggested and it's quickly battered away as an uninspiring appointment. Why do you think it is a good appointment and how would you convince Derby fans differently?
1: You look at where Derby are. Who, who in their right mind is going to come to a club that's rooted at the bottom of the table who's five points adrift? You're not going to get an Eddie Howe a Rafa Benitez a Steve Cooper You know, in, in that situation. At least with Paul Cook, you, you you've got a manager who is, as I've said, a safe pair of hands. He's a, he's a safe pair of hands. He's he's a, he's a manager who knows the championship really well. You look at the players last season: and Moore, Jamal Lowe, He got the best out of them eventually. Sam Morsy. He gets teams working incredibly hard. Nathan Byrne and David Marshall played their best football, I think, under him last season. Um, for for a long time anyway. And he and as I said, he knows the championship. He knows players. If you're bringing players in, you want a manager like that who has got knowledge, previous knowledge, especially in lower leagues as well. If there's gems to pick up, he'll, he'll bring the only, them
0: in. The only thing I'd say is I can understand where Derby fans are coming from when they talk about Paul Cook as an uninspiring choice. Um, but at this point, I think they've got to go with an experienced head just because mm-hmm. of the state that they're in at the moment. Just anything to save them from relegation, because that's how dire things are at the moment. which um, It's unbelievable that we're at this stage and Derby could very well be bottom. the table come Christmas and the worrying thing is only three teams have been bottom of the championship at Christmas since 2004 and stayed up which tells you a lot about um the current task whoever comes in has got on their hands but I think they might have to get in someone like Paul Cook just because as I say the state that they're in at the moment and Rooney has not convinced me in these last two games he really (laughs) hasn't um For Coventry, it was a a decent performance, in fairness. They're now unbeaten in four. Um, Three massive games before Christmas in Rotherham, Wickham and Wednesday. They're still just hovering above the relegation zone, aren't they? But all of those games seem like six-pointers already this season. Uh, Cardiff three. Huddersfield nil. Kiefer Moore with two goals. And what a bloody good player he is. Five goals in his last five games now for club and country. He is an absolute baller, Justin. I love the man. He started the season well but then went on a run which was a bit dry but he was still playing well in terms of holding up the ball, winning headers and what have you but the chances just weren't coming his way but now they are and he's paying dividends. He is just the perfect all-round striker at this level because despite him being massive and a brick shit house, he can do all the rest, hold it up, he's quick, he can finish and Cardiff are now getting service to him like they weren't before and it's two wins in two. Give the man chances. He will do the business. But anyway, enough about my love for Big Keith. What a great all round performance this was from Cardiff, Justin.
1: It was. It's seven goals in two games. And, you know, this is more like it, isn't it? This is what we we wanted to see from Cardiff earlier on in the season. It's the scoring goals from, from good players and the keeping clean sheets. And as you say, more scoring in consecutive games is, is pretty important. Robert Glatzel getting his first will do wonders for him as well I didn't realise it was his first for the season but you know you can almost see the over-reliance on some players from Cardiff at, at certain points uh, and as well as that Shea Oju, Ojo he's, he's been fantastic I think he's I think he's been more impressive than Wilson I'd say that um, I think he's he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's an out-and-out winger he's just a, a pure winger you know he's a guy that likes to get to the byline likes to put crosses in likes to drift in around the box and he's getting better every uh, every week and Keith Moore's a perfect striker to supplement his his delivery
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that I think Ojo it's all about consistency with him it's the case with quite a few wingers at championship level the Mm -hmm. reason they're playing in the championship is because they're not consistent enough the consistent ones are there in the Premier League Um, and Ojo is one of those who definitely has the ability to be a top, top winger um, it's just making it happen week in, week out. And as you say, I think this is the Cardiff side we are expecting to see this season. It's just about keeping this up over the next few weeks. Uh, disappointing result from Huddersfield's perspective. They've been alright this season, haven't they? But mm-hmm. it is just one win in six games for them now. They're probably doing better than we were expecting them to yeah. at the start of the season, because we thought with Colin Grant going, Steve Mounier, they might have been in a bit of a pickle. But Corbrand has done a good job, hasn't he? It's just the results recently not been as good.
1: No, you're spot on. But I said it the weekend. They're going to get good results and they're going to get poor results. You know what Corbrand is trying to do is, is is shifting a completely different mentality from from one end of the spectrum to the other. Very defensive group of managers that they've had over the years. Going from Corbrand, who is very much a Bielsa disciple, as we know, plays football completely differently to the Cowles to David Wagner to Chris Powell going back that far so they're going to have to take a few punches uh, to the chin before they look like they're going to compete higher up the table and get some consistency but they've got players there who are growing and growing and growing as the season goes along so disappointing result but I think in the grand scheme of things it's good progress for Huddersfield.
0: I loved it when Chris Powers at Huddersfield. That was that was a good time uh, in football. Good to see Danny Ward back for Huddersfield as well. His first league start since rejoining them. He's had a few injury problems, but he's always been a good player at this level, hasn't yeah. he? Him and Cromer should pick up a few goals this season. Norwich, they're still top, despite losing 3-1 to Luton. Uh, without context, this result would seem like a shock, but knowing about Norwich's injury problems, maybe not so much. They had to put, I always butcher this guy's name, Plajeta up front, <laughs> who's normally a winger. Uh, they also only had two senior players on the bench amongst a host of other players missing. Uh, but it's not that bad because it just wasn't a great performance by Norwich. They still had the likes of Emmy Brendia, Marco Stieperman, Max Ahrens. Very good players at this level. But you've got to give full credit to Nathan Jones because this was just a great performance by Luton, wasn't it?
1: It was. It was, it was a massive result as well because... You know, last week against Cardiff, they, they were well beaten. And you know, after, as I say, after such a poor result, this this reaction was needed. It's their first win in four as well. And Norwich and their current situation came at the perfect time for Luton because, yeah. you know, it's, it's the best way to pick up points. And as well as that, James Collins' scoring is massive. I don't think he's been as active in the box this season as he was last season. It's just six goals so far, which isn't bad, but for a player who you rely on to score goals, to get you up the table um, you know he needs to do more he needs to score more and I think getting a penalty putting away the penalties is big for him but as I mentioned earlier on in the episode Luton are just 8 points off the top it's very tight up there I'm not saying Luton are going to go for the automatics or playoffs but it's a very nice place to be after such a hard season last season
0: Yeah definitely they're still hanging around the top half aren't they uh, James Collins and penalty love that just smashed it straight into the top bin just put your foot through its son. That's yeah. all you need to do. Uh, the actual penalty was a bit weird because oh, yeah. Grant Hanley fell flat on his face, <laughs> and then suddenly Luton had a penalty. Apparently, it was for handball, but yeah. it wasn't very clear. Um, And George Moncur got a superb goal as well for Luton's first lovely curled effort. Uh, It was their first one in five, Luton. So much needed. Someone who really impressed me was and Dewsbury-Hall in midfield. He's a young lad, on loan from Leicester. Looks a real quality player, Justin. Really quality. Uh, He creates chances, moves the ball brilliantly, puts in a shift defensively. I'm keeping an eye on him over the next few weeks. Uh, Norwich, the number of injuries they've had it was always going to catch up with them at some point wasn't it Daniel Farkers had to pick a team from a limited number of players and when you consider the number of games they're playing the ones who are out they're not getting the rest like other teams in the table are able to do mm-hmm. so um they have hopefully got teamy pooky back at the weekend but it's still a lot of players on that unavailability list and heading into the Christmas period the busy Christmas period it's not ideal they are still top but you mentioned um, it's eight points separating Luton and Norwich. There's only four points separating Norwich in first and Middlesbrough in tenth, which is mental. Mm. Just sums up the championship this season. Uh, Blackburn two, Millwall one. Blackburn's third win in a row. However, I'd say it's the second one they've had where they've been perhaps a bit fortunate. Millwall had the better chances. but And I suppose it's the old saying that it's the sign of a good team when you don't play well, but you're still winning games. Do you know what
1: I mean? Yeah, I do. And, you know, you you are right. They're, they're not playing well, but they are winning. Norwich had that f- um, earlier on in this season where they were scraping wins um, almost undeservedly at times, but they were still picking up results. Reading were as well, and it's kept them high up the table. It's the same with Blackburn here. You know, they've turned the form around um, and it is a good result against against millwall I think it sums the teams up. Millwall have had a lot of chances, but they're not scoring enough goals. Blackburn don't need that many. Well, Blackburn create a lot of chances, but they also convert them as well. Um, And that was the difference between the two teams. I think Adam Armstrong summed it up with his goal. The fact that he was stood still, like flat-footed, but then the ball just fell to him, put his left foot through it, and it's a goal. That's the look that (laughs) those sorts of teams have. And um, yeah, I think going to Millwall, it's a poor run of form now for Millwall.
0: Yeah, they're now without a win in seven. Admittedly, they've drawn five of those games. We'll talk, to them, I'll talk about them in just a sec, because uh, Daniel Ayala was back in the Blackburn team after being out for more than a month with injury. And the Blackburn squad as a whole is now looking very well-rounded, just in loads yeah. of depth. A goal scorer in Adam Armstrong, a solid defence. It's a very good time to be part of this Blackburn team because they're looking really really good they've shown in the last couple of games that they can even grind out results when needs be and uh, regular listeners will already be well aware of how much I like this Blackburn team they're starting to just kick on now maybe at the right time as well because other teams are starting to slow down um, and they're top of the form table even though they've got a tough run coming up I don't think teams will want to play them at the moment lovely goal by Harvey Elliott as well lovely goal still only 17 I still can't get my head (laughs) around it. Uh, Gary Robert, he thought they were unfortunate here. I'd agree. They played well. Maybe didn't get the rub of the green with refereeing decisions. We'll talk about that a bit later on, Justin, (laughs) because there's been a few this midweek. Unlike when other teams go through bad patches, I think it shouldn't take long for Millwall to turn things around and get back on track because, um, and I'm not just saying that because they've got Derby at the weekend, but there there are bad runs and then there are bad runs when the luck just isn't going your way. And I think this is more of the latter. Do you agree?
1: Potentially, but it is it is five draws into six and a defeat here, so you have to, you have to start to question. You know, are they are they playing as well as they could be? It's three goals since October as well for Millwall, which just is it's not what we expected from this Millwall team. But like Cardiff earlier on in the season, it's you know we expected a little bit more. Um, and defensively, they haven't been as good as they have been in the past. So it's that combination really that's.
0: Let's take a break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about wins Are you for struggling for present ideas this Christmas? Have you thought about getting a Dortmund shirt for your dad? What about some Barcelona shorts for your brother? Or maybe even a Lazio jumper for that special someone in your life? Classic football shirts is everything you need for any football mad people you're buying for this Christmas. Whether it's a Blackburn shirt from 2007 or even Middlesbrough themed loungewear. Whoever they support, they'll have something for their club. Have a look for yourself at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. There was the battle between the two best defences in the championship. It finished Middlesbrough 2, Swansea 1... Duncan Watmore getting to... And this is a great story, Justin. Just let me indulge you for a sec. Duncan Watmore, he was being tipped to play for England when he was a young lad. Playing regularly for Sunderland in the Premier League about five years ago. Then over the past few seasons, he's been blighted by injury. He's hardly played over the last four years. Got released by Sunderland in the summer. Um, And I might might as well remind you that they are in League One at the moment. Uh, And then he's been... A free agent, training with Middlesbrough. They gave him a two-month contract. Just two months. And he's now scored two against Swansea to win them the game. It's it's great. I love it. This is what football is all about. The thing I've been saying for the past few weeks is that Middlesbrough have been creating chances but not putting them away. Maybe he could be the man to change it all, Justin. Thoughts on this game as a whole, though?
1: Well, I didn't expect three goals. <laughs> um, no. So, I guess, you know... if. If you're a fan of either team, it's it's good to see goals in this game. But yeah, um, it's hard it's hard to talk about it about talking about Duncan Watmore because it was all about him. You know, Warnock gets the best out of players like him, and it helps Borough. You look at Paddy McNair as well. who's just signed a new contract. He burst forward from centre back to play the ball for Duncan Watmore. Um, and as I've mentioned before, there's just a lot to like about the Borough side, um, and they've come across they come across a, a very good Swansea team. Very tactically switched on in this game as well they matched Swansea in formation they kept Andre AU quiet and ultimately that's what won the game and obviously some individual brilliance from Watmore um, it was a very good blend it was a very good midweek performance from Borough
0: yeah I'd agree with that as you mentioned AU was pretty much silenced throughout the whole game and if you silence him that's Swansea's main threat Mm-hmm. silenced for uh, the 90 minutes isn't it the game itself I thought was fairly even Swansea yeah. had the vast majority of the possession but neither side was particularly much better than the other but either way it's a big win for Middlesbrough their 10th but four points off top which as I say mental uh, Swansea two points ahead of them in seventh Barnsley bounced back from two straight losses with a 2-1 win over Birmingham a really good performance for Barnsley who are looking like a really good side under Valerie and Ishmael at the moment, aren't they? Pressing relentlessly, attacking football, just really good stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and we said that at the weekend, that the performances, although they had back-to-back defeats, so the performances in those defeats were pretty good and they've, they've carried that on. And that's <clears throat> that's the important thing here, is that they just they're being consistent with the performances and the results are coming as well, which is... So important throughout the season, um, but it was a fairly routine one. As, as you said, I think they kept Birmingham very quiet. They just one shot on target from Birmingham. Um, it, it, the, the pressing is the pressing is almost a defensive system, but it feels like attacking because it's just it's just relentless. It's attack, 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 attack opposition in mind. But yeah, it's it's onwards for them. I think throughout the season, I'm I'm getting more and more excited as the weeks go on with Barnsley because, as you said, the performances are there. They're turning it into results. They're going forward, and it's hard to see them stopping.
0: Mm. It's almost like you could say the best form of defence is attack. You know, flip it round a bit. That's kind of mm. what you're saying, yeah? Do you really? Attack opposition, that? yeah. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, for me, this game is all about two men, and they're the secret weapons at Barnsley, who I'm surprised we haven't spoken about yet, Justin. Two wing backs, Callum Britton, Callum Styles, These two are like prime Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In this game, they were constant thorns in the sides of the Birmingham defence. And it's been the case, really, ever since and Ishmael has come in. They're constantly hugging the touch lines, giving Barnsley as much width as possible, which is crucial to their attacking style. They're also both rapid and they're both very handy on the ball, which helps. The cherry on top is Britain is 22, Stiles is 20. This Barnsley squad has the youngest average age in the league, but these two are the best of the bunch. Massive fans of them, annoyed that we haven't mentioned them before. They're <laughs> now 14th in the table at Barnsley, looking good for a top-half finish at the moment. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Which is amazing when you consider they are in the relegation zone just over a month ago. For Birmingham, now six games without a win. And quite frankly, they keep looking far from impressive. As you mentioned, just one shot on target here.
1: Yeah they they scored just 11 all season that puts them in the bottom 5 for goals scored um, you do have to question Birmingham City and you know if this if this run of form continues do you start to question Karanka and what he's trying to get because you know okay they lost Bellingham this season lost Chatham's before the season before they haven't really replaced either of those players they they brought in Lecco, who looks a very good player he was heavily involved in the build up for the goal for Scott Hogan but it feels like they're relying a lot on individuals to sort of get them going um, and defensively although they've conceded just 14 this season which is one of the better records they still conceded a lot of chances and then we saw that against Barnsley. Barnsley had a fair few chances to, to make the score a, a lot higher.
0: Yeah you're spot on. I mentioned that not long ago mm-hmm. that Birmingham despite having such a good record in terms of goals conceded they're actually conceding quite a few chances which is just means that teams aren't taking their chances against them and eventually that will catch up with you they're just grinding out points aren't they and it's very much karanka style of play sit back let the attackers just do what they want up there while the defense maintains this solidity at the back Mm -hmm. it's not exactly entertaining to watch it's effective though to a degree it depends what talent you've got up top and i think birmingham in a way, are lacking talent up top. I like Jonathan Lecco as a player. Uh, Sanchez on the wing looks good earlier in the season, not as much recently. They they need a bit more, don't they? They're just ha- more than happy to grind out results. And that I suppose that just sums up Ida Karanka in a way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Rotherham nil, Brentford 2. A straightforward win for Brentford. The most interesting thing here was Marcus Force and Ivan Tony Both started and both got on the score sheet. And I am very interested, Justin, to see if Thomas Frank sticks with this because having two clinical finishes in the same team could be the answer to all their problems, couldn't it?
1: Well, when you've got two players who are scoring goals, are as clinical as they are. It's just goals, 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 isn't it? It doesn't hope.
0: necessarily always equal results, though, does it? Because, well, <coughs> earlier in the season, people wanting uh, Lau Taylor and Lewis Graben up front for Forrest. You're having to change your whole style of, player, style of play mm-hmm. to suit two players but if I think Force was playing on the wing here if he's more than happy to do that then it helps Brentford out massively because the problem they've had this season is putting away chances
1: yeah and I think that the, the really good thing positive thing with Ivan Tony and you, Brentford certainly have got the money's worth you would taken out the goals at, at, at Peterborough um, he played in a, in a fluid system um, in a team that created a lot of chances took his chances and as well as that he played up front a few times with Mo Iser Sammy Schmodix came in and, and um, he contributed as well, so his link-up play is there. He's not just a forward like, you, know, you mentioned, Lewis Graben and Lar Taylor. They're just mm-hmm. very good you know, penalty box forwards. Whereas Ivan Tony can play well. He can drift around. He can contribute to play, and as we saw with the goal, headed it down to Marcus Force, who finished very well. Um, <laughs> it's it's frightening because these two, these two are so um, what's the word? Clinical. Clinical, yeah. I said it earlier. Um, so clinical that. They're just going to get chances and chances and chances and they're going to put them away.
0: Yeah, if you if those two both click, then it's going to be frightening for other teams in the division. The thing is, as well, because we've really got to move on for Brentford, but the front three, they've missed them this season, haven't they? Yeah. They've moved players around. They've tried. Kanos, Godos, not got going yet. And Boomer isn't playing as well as he was last season. Um, but if they put Tony and force there then that's two-thirds of bmw restored and <laughs> um, rotherham brought on Mikhail miller in the 71st minute he got booked a minute later and then saw, sent off 10 minutes later effective good stuff they sit 20th three points from safety not ideal for rotherham they need to really get a bit more consistency going so they're just picking up wins every so often aren't they mm-hmm. which yeah. is all right but could still be in a bit of a pickle as the season goes on. A Nick Powell header was enough for Stoke to beat Wickham 1-0. This was one of the games to have fans back. Not the most spectacular. But, <laughs> and Stoke were by no means great. But I'd, I'd say Stoke are one of the many teams really who are yet to get to top gear, aren't they? They're still ticking over with their results, which is handy, as we say. If you're not playing well, you're still getting results. Sound of a good team. Yeah. But they also are also picking up a few injuries as well. Stephen Fletcher, amongst those <laughs> missing for them in this game. Do you make it, What did you make of this game from your perspective?
1: I think when you're going away away to Wickham, it's always going to be a difficult game. They're going to make it difficult, especially now they're fans back in the ground. But I think Stoke were were effective. They were they were good. They got the goal. They defended well as well. Um, I think the th- the thing with Stoke fans they seem happy to s- just be competing at the top of the table but you know some sort of tweaks they can't compete in the top 6 and as we've mentioned already in this episode it's very tightly contested up, up in the top 10 so they've got more than enough in the squad to really push on um, but going back to the game it was a, it was a relatively tight game but relatively straightforward one for Stoke as well
0: I know what you mean Rickham have got two losses in the last eight but they're still in the relegation zone which says a lot about the task they've got ahead of them just to stay up it's all well and good picking up a few points here and there you need to do it over the course of the season mm-hmm. and get three points because they've I think only Derby have picked up fewer wins than them so far this season yeah. um QPR one Bristol City two QPR will feel a bit unfortunate here because they had quite a few chances just could not put the bugger away but a massive win for Bristol City Justin
1: yeah it is and um, their away form is, is, is doing really well if they can match their home form then they, they'll they be a force it just feels like Bristol City they're ticking along I, I feel like they're just ticking along at the moment because they're just waiting for key players to get back into the squad and obviously when they get those key players back I feel, I feel like we'll see a really good Bristol City side but at the moment they're just getting along very nicely you know and it's good to bounce back after such a poor defeat against Reading with a, with a win away from home um, against QPR but still conceding chances, you know, tighten up a little bit, be a bit more structured um, and, you know, the wins wins will come.
0: I mean, they're still fifth in the table, just one point off top and they're one of the sides who have actually been consistent recently. It was just a bunch of losses a few weeks (laughs) ago that that mean they're not top of the table or higher at the moment, really. Um, Interesting that they played Semenyo, Martin and Wells in this game. Three strikers, all... Worked really well, so if that is something that they proceed with, then fair play to them. Go all out attack, why not? Um, QPR, anything you got to say on them?
1: They're just becoming very inconsistent, it's just three wins in ten. Which you know, I said a while back that QPR were a team for me that will get better throughout the season, but it just didn't seem to be happening for them. Um, so at some point in time, if this continues, then you are going to have to question Mark Warburton because for me, he's got a very good squad at his disposal. And at some point as well, they're going to lose a say Samuel, who is there golden child as such, as such because of how good he is um, he, he's golden chi- yeah that, golden that was a weird one golden child is there creme de la creme I'm trying to think of uh, superlatives for him he's very important to that QPR team just,
0: just no it's fine I am more than happy calling him the golden child <laughs> it was interesting actually after the game um, Bristol City manager I've completely forgot his name Dean Holden Dean Holden that's it um, <laughs> oh, he, he said um, right I say Samuel was the one that they specifically singled out as the yeah. danger man for QPR and he's not wrong really because Elias Chair, very talented player, being consistent, right I say you Samuel, one of the most consistent wingers in the league. Mm-hmm. He's so dangerous and the fact that uh, Holden singled him out says a lot about the talent he's got. Um Wednesday one, Reading one. If you want an idea of which set of fans are happier with this result, Reading fans have now shared a petition calling for referee Ollie Langford to be suspended. Um, they reckon they should have had four penalties. I think that's a bit drastic. They should have definitely had three. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely.
1: It's yeah. I was look. I was yeah. I watched the game back, and you've got no excuses for it. <laughs> no, the the one. In fact,
0: I was going to say. One of them was the worst, but they were all pretty bad. The handball by Adam Reach, which was just a clear handball. And then there was another one, I can't remember who it was, but he got wrestled to the ground. It, it was shocking that mm-hmm. they there weren't any penalties handed out here for at least one of them. It's almost like, remember Chelsea in the Champions League against Barcelona, and they had about four clear penalties
1: did not given against himself, them. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was. they were almost <laughs> as bad as that. I mean we talk about the standard of refereeing in in this division quite a lot don't we Justin we do I don't think in fairness it's been as bad so far this season but there have been some individual games this week that have been particularly bad
1: well I'm looking at this week and I'm thinking there should be um, three in this game there should be at least seven penalties that should have been awarded that weren't Mm. Um, which you're getting those decisions wrong at this stage in the season (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not good reading. It's not good reading at all. And you don't want, I don't want to talk about referees and officials, but the reading game. There's no excuse for it. Absolutely, that was awful. Absolutely awful. I wouldn't go as far as to sharing a petition, but I'd expect the 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 refereeing body to come out and explain what was going on because that was tremendously awful.
0: Well, it's something that has been debated for ages, isn't it? Whether referees should explain their decisions after games, and with this. It's hard to say why the why the penalties weren't given. They were clear as, they were all clear as day, really, all three of them. Um, you know how I said on Sunday, Tony Pulis has been in charge of three games at Wednesday and only managed two shots on target in that time. Uh, this was the fourth game; they only had one shot here and scored from it. The man is ridiculous. <laughs> he, he is beyond parody at this point. Uh, Reading, they deserve the win here. You won't hear anyone say any different I think even Wednesday fans will admit that and finally Forest 0 Watford 0 a game that Watford should have been looking to win but on the day it was so uneventful that I have nothing to say on this
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. uh, back.
0: Joe Wobble is back that is a positive because I love Joe Wobble one of the best defenders in the championship last season I'm glad that he's back um, let's do who knows wins Justin <laughs> this is our league where you can win money By correctly predicting the results of championship games, it's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app, join our league, guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship. The more people involved, the bigger the prize. (coughs) Excuse me. We have had some massive prizes recently. In the midweek games, just gone, the win pot was over 350 quid Justin. 350 quid and it was won by Tino 14 who got 150 off the pot that is massive well done Tino 14 the deadline to enter this weekend's league is half five on Friday afternoon because there's a mega early game this week so make sure you get involved ASAP to win some sweet sweet moolah right Justin let's quickly go through the games Barnsley Bournemouth which way are you going
1: I'm gonna go Barnsley to trick
0: you on that isn't it mm. I will also go for a draw I changed my mind last minute okay. <laughs> uh, Reading Forest
1: Um I'm going to go Reading
0: I'll go draw I'll go draw mm, yeah. Brentford Blackburn
1: ooh um, I'm going to go Brentford here
0: two of the form teams in the championship really hard game to predict I would probably also go Blackburn uh, Blackburn Brentford <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bristol City Birmingham um Bristol City. I'll go Bristol City as well. Coventry Rotherham.
1: I'm gonna go Coventry.
0: I'll go draw. Huddersfield QPR. Um Draw. Huddersfield for me. Millwall Derby.
1: I'm gonna go draw. Really? I am. I think wow. really
0: Bloody hell, I did not expect that. I'm gonna go Millwall. Norwich Chef Wednesday.
1: Oh, this is a hard one, this is. Um Do you know what? I'm back in Sheffield Wednesday.
0: I'm going to go draw. What are you expecting? A pure shit else masterclass.
1: It helps when Norwich don't have anybody to defend against Wednesday. They, so. they'll,
0: have, they'll have Pookie back, which is obviously a bonus. Preston Wickham.
1: Um, Preston at home, aren't they? Yeah. Wickham.
0: Ooh, I'm going to go Preston. I think they've turned the corner now. Stoke Borough. I'm going to go draw. That's a tough one, that. I will go draw as well. Swansea Luton.
1: Uh, oh that's a hard one as well I'm going to go Swansea
0: I'll go Swans and Watford Cardiff
1: um, draw um,
0: I'll go Cardiff I think I'm, I'm, I'm liking the look of Cardiff at the moment I think they're looking very good uh, so that's who knows wins just make sure you join our league to win some big prizes and get involved right this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening to this midweek edition. We'll be back again on Sunday where we have got a lot to talk about in terms of the news. And as always, we'll give you the latest on the action from the best league in the world with more fans back this weekend, Justin. How exciting!
1: Hurrah!
0: Hurrah indeed. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll see you again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks.
1: I've been Justin
0: Peach. Thank you for listening.